Hello. Parting, as the bard suggested, is such sweet sorrow. Erudite undoubtedly, yet an example of the oxymorons and grammatical paradoxes that Shakespeare frequently employed for emphasis and contrast. Here, at the end of the balcony scene in Romeo and Juliet, her use of sweet sorrow is indicative both of her emotional turmoil and anticipation of the next time the lovers will meet. Tragic as the tale ultimately concludes, Juliet was at least able to entertain the expectation that they would. I, too, enjoyed a relationship for which parting was sweet sorrow. Twice I have said a sorrowful goodbye, but alas, on this second occasion, I am saddened beyond measure to know there will be no sweet reunion. What distinguishes this particular association is that the object of my affections was made of metal and boasted a displacement just shy of 300 metric tons. Oliver Cromwell, no, not him, was a riveted steel Dutch freight barge of 1922 vintage that was converted at sharpness in 1993 as a Mississippi-style paddle-wheel hotel boat. Accommodation with ensuite facilities for 44 guests, plus crew cabins and office space, was complemented by a fully equipped galleon restaurant, bar, dance floor, viewing decks, and all the attendant facilities for offering pampered passengers a leisurely cruise of up to six days along the Gloucester and Sharpness Canal and the River Severn. Protruding a whopping 138.5 feet rearwards from the nose, 22 feet across the hips, and standing way over 20 feet tall in flat heels, MV Oliver Cromwell, the MV denoting motor vessel, was the largest of her type afloat in the UK, and only seemed to just fit in some of the river locks if everyone breathed in at the same time. Truly a combination of awesome beast and gracious lady, if ever there was. The story goes that the original owners who recommissioned the hotel variant chose the name Duke of Gloucester. When the royal household objected, they retaliated with a gloriously anarchic reference to the Lord Protector. Although English Holiday Cruises Limited was already established by the time the Clements family assumed the mantle in the early part of the new millennium, the entrepreneurial skills of Richard, Judith, Jay and their team quickly elevated the entire operation to new levels. Such is serendipity, and through a combination of circumstances that found me in the right place at the right moment, I came to endure an association with the new owners for seven seasons that I considered to be the pinnacle of my steerage career, and which led to personal friendships that continue to this day. Aided and abetted by a crew compliment that naturally varied with the seasons, but which was at all times a model of fluency, the end result was a cumulative total of thousands of holidaymakers disembarking with a shedload of happy memories to take home and nothing but praise for the slickness of it all. Oft was this achieved under the most taxing of circumstances, not least when the infernal river flooded yet again or the boat was slewed by high winds buffeting its slab-sided superstructure. The height of the bridge at Worcester was the limiting factor in proceeding upstream, but Ollie's sheer bulk and dimensions offered something of a challenge to those few, including yours truly, who were privileged to coax, cajole and sometimes just brutally manhandle her around little teasers such as Purton Double Bridge on the Gloucester and Sharpness Canal, Globe Bend just north of Gloucester, the almost right-angled approach to Upper Load Lock and the near implausible shimmy into Diglis Lock caused by the whole plot just being ever so slightly too big for the gates to shut simultaneously. Show her who was boss, and she would respond magnificently. Treat her with disdain or indifference, and man would she bite back hard. 
An unholy combination of soaring operational costs, swinging regulations and the increasingly parlous state of the river navigation caused a serious re-evaluation of the options for Ollie and she was gracefully retired to rest in Gloucester whilst her future was contemplated. Ollie's smaller sibling, Edward Elgar, was constructed specifically to pass under Worcester Bridge and up to the head of navigation at Stourport. She continues where Oliver Cromwell leaves off and is a delightful modern purpose-built vessel well up to the task. But there was no denying something special was lost with Cromwell's departure and I will be grateful in perpetuity to the proprietors for allowing me to share in it initially as pilot and subsequently as captain before it all came to an end. Indeed, one of the most satisfying ticks on my CV is that I was the last to skip her upriver before her retirement in 2009. The invitation from the proprietors to say a few valedictory words following her Swansong cruise was an honour that even now I cannot begin to quantify. Here endeth my first sweet sorrow. But it was not all bad news, and plans that included a static facility based in or around Gloucester Docks, which were undergoing massive redevelopment, were formulated. Not so much a retirement as a moving on to past is new in a graceful transformation from a life of graft to a more genteel repose in which she could maintain her respect and stature without having to work quite so hard for it. Sadly, it was not to be, and after a period of struggling to realise her potential, she was put up for sale in 2012. And here we turn to the board again, for therein lies the rub. Selling the likes of Oliver Cromwell is multifaceted. All manner of ducks must line up in a row, including issues of finance, moorings availability, satisfactory surveys, and a panoply of other material to not only demonstrate that all is shipshape with the merchandise, but all is equally so with a prospective new owner. Then, when it's all sorted, comes the thorny issue of moving the vessel to its new home. I need not enlarge on what's involved here, other than to say it is a mammoth task. Thus, on Wednesday the 23rd of May 2018, did Oliver Cromwell set out from Gloucester under tow for her new home in Coleraine, Northern Ireland, when, two days later, on the afternoon of Friday the 25th, she foundered and went down in 50 metres of salty water. My second sweet sorrow but this time, in the knowledge I could no longer entertain any hope of return, it was as Kenneth Graham's wind in the willows, like summer tempests came his tears, and I confess that I was heartbroken. At the time of compiling my eulogy, the circumstances of Cromwell's demise are as yet unknown, but I am sufficiently familiar with the Maritime and Coast Guard Agency to know their inevitable inquiry will be scrupulous in establishing the facts. Mercifully, it was reported that no one was injured and there was no pollution, but this could not fully mitigate the indescribable sadness on viewing the brief video from the scene that appeared online shortly afterwards showing her slide bow first out of sight. All that's fair must fade, said Thomas More. Cold comfort when one is still yet to come to terms with Shakespeare's sweet sorrow of parting. So do please indulge me, as in the privacy of my own thoughts... I raise a glass in fondest memory of a much-loved and revered companion whose presence in my life, though brief, touched on it so profoundly. Farewell, Ollie, and thank you. But, I hear, though a rousing tale of a black country waterways enthusiast's affair with a boat this may be, whither the Celtic connection? 
Well, having successfully negotiated over 200 nautical miles of crossing the Briney towards her destination before catastrophe befell her, motor vessel Oliver Cromwell now lies forever in peace, about 12 miles to the west of South Stack Anglesey, in the very shadow of the Welsh coast. Enjoy your black country, and do join me again soon for more tales from the barn. <laughs>